everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Buyer's Market Podcast. I'm joined by another special guest, Keaton Turner. Keaton, welcome to the Buyer's Market Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, me, me too. So uh, Keaton and I have been connected on LinkedIn for the last couple of years. Um, Keaton is the founder of Turner Mining Group. Um, and it's just, uh, we, we were talking a little bit offline before this, it's just been incredible to watch his company grow, to, to see the employees grow, to see the cultures they're building there. It's, uh, it, it's really something that I've been impressed with from the outside. And just in the short time I've been talking to Keaton, I'm excited to understand more about what's been going on. Um, but before we get into all that stuff and we talk about how you've leveraged digital so well, Keaton has a really interesting story about how he got into the mining industry. And I want to start there and just understand Keaton, uh, how did you get interested in mining? Yeah, you know, it's it's not your typical career path for, uh, you know, a young guy. Uh, at least it doesn't seem like that these days. You know, as a young guy, I was always interested in trucks, tractors, um, anything outdoors. You know, growing up, I thought I wanted to be in commercial construction, you know, big uh, build vertical buildings. Um, but I had a I had family in construction. Uh, my uncle had had built and established a company um, that was a heavy civil construction company. Um, and so I went I went to college at Indiana State. I focused on, um, you know, my my construction management degree there and then some business um, stuff as well. And I, I really loved the estimating part of uh, what companies go through to win work. Um, I love sales. I love marketing, but really hunting and chasing and trying to win work was, was a passion. So uh, my uncle said, Hey, you know, come join our company. Um, can I work through college? Um, you know, I got, I got the experience of jumping in haul trucks and, and being boots in the dirt for a few summers. Uh, I did some estimating and really the business kind of took off. Um, we had some mining clients that I was really attracted to because every mine site I went on, it was, you know, 50 plus year old guys. There were hardly ever any young kids. Um, and it just seemed to me like there was a ton of opportunity uh, to go expand really any business in the mining space, but specifically what we were doing, which was mine services. And so uh, did that for seven, eight, nine, gosh, I think almost 10 years. And uh, I just, I really saw white space in the industry as I continued to dig a little deeper in mining and have more mining clients, I thought, man, if we can, if we can start a company and use young people and deploy some marketing tactics and sales strategy, I think we can really grow a, a business here. So um, started Turner Mining Group about five years ago, and it's been off of the races ever since. Wow. Uh Great story. And uh, yeah, so I've been I've been on the journey now for probably two or three years. So you're a little bit ahead of where I was at. And uh, interesting on uh, Indiana State, I spent a little bit of time in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, so familiar with that area. Some good, good, good places around there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had a blast there. Awesome. So um, I'm interested, you know, you, it, it sounds like you were interested from a young age. Um, when what really got you uh, what, what really cemented in your mind? Hey, I'm going to get into either just heavy construction in general, I guess. As soon as you got in the haul truck, did you know that? Or was it an, iter an iterative process? You know, it was it was probably uh, several years prior to that. I, I kind of grew up working on a farm um, for a family friend of ours. I took care of his horses. And then I worked for a couple years after that. In high school, I was working for a big developer. 
um, who had developed uh, several massive neighborhoods where, where I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, and, and I loved what he did because he saw land that was either covered in forest or it was farmland or whatever, and he turned into something uh, that was really special for the, for the community. Um, he built houses and churches and you know parks and all these things. And so uh, I always loved the outdoors. Uh, but I also love building something. I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of a creative guy. I love working with my hands. I love tools. And like I said, trucks, all that stuff. So I knew in high school, I didn't want to be stuck at a desk. Uh, although it seems like it's turned out that way. I'm, I'm at a desk, but um, I knew I didn't want to be stuck at a desk. And so I thought, man, the, the next best thing's construction. I get to build something. I get to work with tools and trucks. And it just kind of manifested from there. Like I said, I didn't really plan on getting into mining. Um, honestly, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a very small percentage of the population, I think, that grows up and says, I'm going to go be a miner. Um, you know, Thomas, our COO, who I know you follow also, he's got this famous line that he says, you know, you can grow up here in the U.S., you can grow up on a farm and you can see cows and you can drive past farms and, and, kids grow up on farms. Well, no kids are growing up on mine sites. And so unless your dad's a miner or your uncle's a miner or something like that, you're just really probably not being exposed to mines. And so, um, you know, I just kind of stumbled into the industry, but I'm so glad I did because I don't think the industry itself gets enough love. And uh, one of the things that we've tried to do is make mining sexy and make it appeal to younger people, make it appeal to people that are in high school or even, even prior to high school. Um, there's so much more out there than people see growing up. And I think mining is one of the industries that we need to expose uh, for the opportunities that are out there. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, uh, I don't have nearly as much experience in mining, but I have been on mine sites from being in power generation, uh, mostly above ground, but I've been to the world's largest Trona mine, which is quite an experience. Yeah, um, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, Rock Springs, Wyoming, it's uh, I'm sure you've, you've probably been out that direction, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're working in Wyoming. So it's, you know, we don't do any underground mining and that's a huge misconception. You know, when people think mm -hmm. of mining, they think of underground, they think of coal, they think of super dangerous, super dirty. And there's just, it, it's so, it's such a false perception. Now there is plenty of underground and there is plenty of coal, but there's also, you know, the stuff that's on the outside of Wrigley's gum, that little powder, that is rock that comes from Montana. And it's and it, it's mined out of the ground. You know, there's all kinds of different styles of mines and materials that are mined. Uh, it's it, the, the, the misconception out there, though, is what we're trying to break. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you add more context because, you know, I'm in the industry. And I'll be honest with you. That's where my head went. Like, that's exactly where my head went. And I've been exposed to it, too. I remember when I it, uh, at that time, it was FMC. I don't know who owns it now. But uh, when I got out there, I was talking to our plant contact, and he's, uh, I said, well, what is, what's, what's Trona? Like, what's in, what's Trona? And he's like, everything. I go, yeah. what do you, what do you mean? He goes, it's in everything. I was like, no, it's not. He's like, it's in toothpaste. He starts naming all these things. It's like, wow. Just the, you, the things you don't realize what goes into the built world and what goes into the things that we consume. It's getting all the way back to that first source. It's pretty cool. And to your point, it's a lot more than just coal. So um, 
it sounded like you identified almost a, a, a two-sided problem when you were thinking about Turner. So you you identified the demographic issues with, hey, it's an older demographic. And then through some of your content, I believed you identified some issues where you could service, you felt like you could service customers better with a different operation model. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you went from intuition, hey, I should do this, what you kind of what you realized first and um, what was your first foray into there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the first thing I realized was when I stepped on site, man, we need to get some young people. We need, we need some 18-year-old kids. We need some 24-year-old kids. And so uh, when we got started, we really tried to leverage the next generation and, and bring young people into the industry. Now, that comes with its own set of challenges. Uh, trust me when I say that. Um, it's, it's expensive to let young people learn mistakes. But I think there's a lot of older folks out there, uh, the generation or two generations prior to that really want to teach some of these young guys uh, and young girls. And, you know, I, I don't want to be a guy that watches a whole generation of experience walk out the door and not get passed on or at least pass as much of that knowledge and experience on. So we really tried to develop, uh, you know, kind of a mentorship program where we, we, we've got an, an older project manager, an older superintendent. And he might have half of his crew that are younger folks that he's, you know, trying to build some experience into and some knowledge into. Um, and it's been really fun to watch that transition. But I also think from a from a service provider perspective, uh, you know, you can look around and do your research. There's not really one other company in the U.S. that is strictly focused 100 percent on mine services. Uh, there's there's plenty of other big companies, uh, heavy civil companies, construction companies that dabble in mining. You know, you've got road and bridge contractors and DOT contractors, and, and, and a lot of them will do mining projects kind of as a separate business unit or on the side when they've got spare equipment or spare people. But we're 100% focused on mining. Every client we service is a mining client. Um, we don't you know, we've, I, I kind of coined this slogan back when we got started. We don't dig landfills. We don't build bridges. We're 100% mining. And so I think with us having that focus, uh, we're, we're able to offer a little bit different level of experience um, and, and a little bit different, um, you know, we just offer a different level of experience to the customer who typically is, is not getting a team of mining folks. They might get a few mining folks or they might have one specialized mining guy visit from time to time. But, you know, mining engineers on our staff, we've got an office out in Salt Lake City. Um, there are operation headquarters and, um, you know, that office is full of mining engineers, people that went to school um, to, to study mining, people that have been mining literally longer than I've been alive. And so it's, it's really fun to see those folks go into a meeting with a customer and the customers say, wow, you know, you guys know as much about our operations or more than some of our own people on staff. So uh, we wanted to focus strictly on mining. And um, I think so far we've seen that there's a huge uh, opportunity to scale a business in the industry because, you know, there there aren't a ton of folks doing it currently. You, you know, the, I'll be honest with you, that was the most interesting part to me when I first when I was first exposed to your content, because it was it was almost a mismatch in my brain. I was like, this is incredible content. Like they're doing all the right things. You, you just creating not only good visually appealing content, but good copy. You're telling stories like you're doing everything. If you if you started a business and said, hey, how do we market this? That's exactly how you do it. And so that was a little bit a little bit 
tough for me to write my mind because I'm thinking mining industry is going away, right? So that's my, I don't think that today, but at that time, those are my preconceived notions, right? I'm thinking the mining industry is is lagging. I hear the people that I work with are exiting mining. And then here comes this young person, Keaton, with this great company and this great content. And they're like, no, we're focused on mining. Um, did you Did you get some of that? feedback from anyone or pushback like you want to go into mining or um were people encouraging of you yeah you know there's I, I i talk to my guys here once in a while when we when we hit a tough spot and i look around and think why in the world did we get into mining you know <laughs> it's it is a tough business and it's uh you know i i've always said anytime you're ripping mother earth apart she doesn't like it you know it's hard on machines it's it's early mornings and long nights i mean it is a tough industry and it's arguably the oldest industry I mean, you look around, I know people say this all the time, if it's not farmed, it's mined. Everything from the paint on the walls to what's, you know, what's in our, our headphones, what's <laughs> in our computer screens. I mean, it's, it all comes from the earth. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you, you look around and wonder how in the world do people do this every day uh, because of some of the challenges. Now, I, I run towards those challenges. When, when you see a lot of older folks leaving an industry, to me that it's, it's like, wow, that's a huge opportunity, right? There, there is a huge opportunity to go, because mining's not going away. And, and I think, again, and not to get too preachy, you, know, you hear from environmentalists and you hear from all the people that want clean energy and all these things, and they're all great things. Mining can never go away. Everything that's in a windmill comes from a mine, right? Like it, Everything that's in a, a, a Prius or a Tesla comes from a mine. And so I think we've got to really educate the masses, but I see huge opportunity in becoming better miners, becoming better stewards of the planet that we're living on. You know, there's, there are cleaner ways to do it. There's new technology out there. I mean, I think we're not, we're not that far away from people operating mining equipment while they're sitting in their pajamas, you know, at their house. Uh, we're already seeing some of that technology um, in trial scenarios right now. So I, I think anytime there is an opportunity for a disruption, you got to run head into it, but it's, it is a challenge. And I think the next, the next 10, 15, 20 years, it's going to be challenging to get this new generation ramped up, deploy new technology, uh, deploy new technology. Um, but it's a challenge we're excited about. Uh, um. And this is another preconceived, just something I have in my head. I'm curious if you agree with this is I feel like over the last 18, 24 months, the understanding of how we actually do need to come across these raw materials, whether it be supply chain disruptions, global fighting, whatever the heck happens with countries where all of a sudden people now today are like, oh, wait a second. You know what? We actually need to do this. Do you do you hear that shift? Do you feel that shift where you are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've already seen, you know, if you're paying attention, you've already seen bipartisan support for rare earth minerals. Um, we've got arguably the largest supply of rare earth minerals on the planet right here in the U.S. You know, we've got coal, we've got copper, we've got gold, we've got silver. I mean, we, we have everything right here. Uh, we need the people. We need to train the people. Uh, we need you know, really good, solid companies that are practicing ethical mining. Um, and, and we need service providers. And I think, you know, when you look at other countries that are producing these minerals uh, a lot cheaper than we are, they're not always doing it in the most sustainable way. They're not doing it in the safest way or the cleanest way for the environment. So I think 
yes, we can do it here. We should do it here. But it's going to take a real investment into mining to get the right people attracted to the industry, to get the next generation spun up and enjoying and really providing them a, a you know, a, a real career path here. Uh, and again, I think that's that's one of the reasons why we beat so loud on the social media drum is to just start getting people thinking about mining as a career choice because it's an amazing career choice. It's one of the highest paying career options out there right now for kids that decide not to go to college and instead go straight into the workforce. So, and there's just a ton of opportunity. Yeah, and to your to your point, if, depending on what you like too, if you like being outside, if you enjoy working working with your hands, there's there's a lot of opportunity. I'm I'm very passionate about bringing this same light to construction. Uh, I work with uh, different people that are trying to bring more of that exposure where, hey, it's not what you think it is. There's a lot of good people in it. And it sounds like miners are very similar to old construction workers where if they have someone to train, like these are these are gruff men, but they love their craft. And if you show an interest and you show aptitude, they'd be glad to help you. They'll teach you any everything that they know and give you the shirt off their back. And it sounds like miners are very similar. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've had... You know, I've watched I've watched 18 year old kids come straight off the farm, know nothing about mining. And in 40 years, you know, they're making close to one hundred thousand dollars and they skip college. And, and you know, I, I've got this picture in my mind of a kid that's 24 years old calling back to his high school teacher and saying, hey, I make twice as much money as you do. And you said I wasn't going anywhere like those are wins for me to get kids thinking that way. You know, early on, I said this, it doesn't, you don't have to be LeBron or Kobe to go be successful. You can skip college. Now, I think education is important. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> you can skip college and go be successful. Now, you got to work hard. You got to get up early. You got to listen to people that have been there and done that. You know, you've got to really put in the time and grind it out. But I know a lot of folks that have done 20 years in this industry and have made an awesome life for themselves and are making a lot more than the than the the richest or wealthiest person you might know. I mean, it's just a fact. So there is a real career path opportunity in the mining industry, no matter what education you know you're going after, no matter if you start in the dirt or you start at a desk. There's just a ton of opportunity. And if I could point out one misconception that I've seen, it's not dumb work. You there is an there is an intellect that goes with there is a skill there is an art and just because you didn't go to college and learn a specific subject, trust me when you enter this world you'll realize there's a learning curve and there's a lot to learn and there's really really smart people that just decided hey I'm going to learn this instead I I was fortunate I am fortunate to work with engineers a lot and so I've worked for companies that had engineering and construction and you know you you have people that are 20 year engineers and who do the people that they rely on are a lot of field people project managers that to your point, came up through the trades and developed this knowledge. And we have 20 year engineers asking them like, hey, what do you think of this solution? Now, obviously the engineers go back and run all the calculations and make sure it works. But the generation of the ideas, a lot of that comes from the field and the project managers, really smart people. Yeah, I, I think we will see, I think we'll look back in 10 years or 15 years and we will see the mining industry specifically make the one of the largest shifts towards implementing new technology compared to any other industry. And the reason I say that is because there's not a ton of technology that's been deployed yet. We're right on the cusp. I mean, geospatial, machine learning, AI, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that we are just right on the edge of. And I think you're going to see the mining industry as we, again, become better stewards, try to get a lower cost per ton uh, of material mined, 
uh, try to get more green energy and all these other, I think you're going to see more technology deployed in the mining space really than any other space in the next 10 years. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, and, and I hope to do, and I hope I hope to see that because I believe in these opportunities. I believe in the opportunities they create for people, for families, um, and for people that don't even. I know people that don't need the opportunity, right? They could have went, they could have done whatever they wanted, and they enjoy what they do, and it's in these industries. So, um, absolutely hope you're correct, and I think you will be. Uh, so I'm curious when you uh, will start to move into some of the digital stuff now, and uh, but before we transition to that. I'm curious, you know, you come in here talking about employees and caring about your employees and caring about the customer and creating this good content, talking about um, environmental mining. What was the reaction like from your competitors and from your customers when you started saying this? And then, I'm, and yeah, then yeah. if you can, employees as well. Like what, what were everyone's reactions? <laughs> well, I, I think it's 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 all over the place, right? I've I've heard everything from you know, this young guy is starting a, a, a business or a, a mining startup company, it's never going to work, right? Uh, when, when I started this five years ago, if you logged on to Instagram five years ago and looked for any mining profiles, any mining companies, there were none. There were no images of mining companies on Instagram, right? Um, even to a certain extent, LinkedIn. And I'm not saying I'm the guy that did all this, but there hasn't been anywhere near as much focus on mining specific companies and people in mining over the last five years in the social world, you know, as there has here recently. And so uh, we've heard everything from this is amazing. Uh, we can't wait to see more content at mine sites. Um, we've heard everything from, hey, I can't believe you posted that picture. You're going to get an MSHA violation because this one little thing's not right. We've never got an MSHA violation due to an Instagram or LinkedIn post, <laughs> uh, knock on wood. But I think, you know, in totality, people want to see it. Not only is it really cool content because it's big equipment, it's big gear. It's also people that they don't ever really get to see, right? If you posted a picture of a plumber on LinkedIn, no offense to plumbers, and right next to it, you posted a picture of a gal climbing up into a haul truck with pink hair. I can tell you without even doing any copywriting at all, which one's going to get more engagement. It's the, it's the haul truck with the gal, right? And so that stuff's what gets us excited. I, we like breaking the mold. Uh, we like showing people having fun at work because quite frankly, the rest of America, especially white collar America, they don't, they don't get a C inside mines. Mine operators historically have been very, closed, booked, and, and, and close to the chest with all of, you know, their operations. They don't want to get dinged for a safety incident in a picture, or they don't want competitors to see what they're doing. To me, I want to attract more uh, people to come work for our company, and I want to attract more customers. And the way I do that is by showing exactly what we do. So that's been our approach. I think it's worked so far. It appears to be. Uh so what would you say the impact has been of social media on your company? You know, social media first was a recruiting tool only. Um, I, you know, we didn't start posting on Instagram because we thought our customers were on Instagram, right? Most of these companies we work for are large international multi-billion dollar companies. Um, the buyers for these companies aren't surfing Instagram looking for service providers. Um, they're just not. Now, 
I think there is a trickle down effect. And I think our customers do engage on, on Instagram or, um, you know, some, we, we have done Facebook and some TikTok and some other stuff, but I think we started on Instagram for, um, candidates, employees coming to work for our business and really just brand awareness, brand engagement. We then shifted pretty quickly to LinkedIn. And there's a story that I always tell, you know, when I, when I started the company, we had zero, we had zero customers. Um, I didn't have any contracts or anything. And for the first seven or eight months, as my wife was watching the bachelor every night, I would have a glass of red wine. I'd be on LinkedIn and I would send about 300 messages a night to customers that I thought would potentially hire us took seven or eight months for someone to finally say yes. And then it was off to the races. But I mean, I think without social media, without LinkedIn, without Instagram, our company wouldn't have existed. Uh, I don't think we could have built it. I don't think I could have built it 10 years ago um, because it's, it's, it's really hard to go find 200, 300 people to work for your company and then also deal with the turnover. So now you got to have 30 people waiting to come back into the company, you know? So it's, it's a challenge, but without social media, I don't think we could have done it. That's, um, that's probably enlightening for some people that are listening on, on both sides. I, you know, I hear a lot of customers talk about how, you know, they don't think a certain platform works and it's, you listen to what they're doing and they don't have a platform strategy. You went in there knowing, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to reach employees on Instagram. This is where I think they spend time. And then as you understood LinkedIn better, or you just pivoted, you're like, okay, this is where customers are. And it sounds like both those things were validated in spades. Well, and one, one, one tactic we deployed, you know, when we, we grew pretty quickly from 2018 to 2019, uh, we went from something like 70 or 80 employees to 300 employees uh, in, in a pretty short amount of time. And one of the gaps we had was me getting out my voice to our people internally. There were so many new faces. We're, we're spread from coast to coast all across the country. And I didn't get to talk to all these people. So we started the podcast and, you know, we had a lot of fun with it, but it was a way the podcast was never a sales tool. Right. We, I, I didn't really think our customers would even care about a Turner Mining podcast. We did it for our own people to listen to. And I wanted our folks to hear my thoughts, the vision for the company, what were some current struggles internally? Because, by the way, as you're growing, you have tons of issues and your employees see those issues better than anybody, your employees and then your customers. And so, you know, I wanted our employees to hear what was going on. I wanted to hear straight from me. Um, and, and we did a podcast for about two years. It was a lot of fun and, uh, we had a lot of really good engagement on it, but it's just another tool. It's another tactic, you know, that I think a lot of people are afraid to try. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal is. Cause you can hear some people struggling with, uh, attracting talent, getting the right projects, um, all these different things, but they're reluctant to try new customer acquisition strategies. Our hypothesis has has always been since we started this little, our little foray here, is that uh, we believe that the way buyers research, evaluate, and inform their decisions has changed. And the way that people sell architectural engineering construction services has not changed with the customer. And so I believe there's, you know, the opportunity that you just executed on, I think there's the same opportunity in construction and it probably 
could, it's just at the beginning because there isn't really anyone that's stepped up and grabbed that. There is no Turner Mining Group that's out there showing everyone how to create good content. So it's super interesting for me to hear that and also encouraging and hope some of the uh, some people that are listening to this podcast also take heed and uh, consider having a specific social media strategy on each platform because um, obviously you've just espoused all the benefits that you uh, that you gained from having that that strategy. Yeah, and I, and I'll tell you, I mean, uh, I'll just be honest. If you're not deploying a social strategy for your own personal brand or for your company's brand, you're going to get left behind. There's just <laughs> no two ways about it. Um, I, the people that I hire as leaders into our company now, the first thing I do is look at their LinkedIn account and see what they're doing, what they post on, what they comment on, who they're engaging with, what kind of person are they? Are they leaving positive comments? Or are they leaving negative comments? Right? I don't look at their resume. I don't call their references. Eventually, sure, but the first thing I'm doing is look at who who are they, what's their digital footprint look like? And the same thing with companies, right? The, half the reason we've gotten business is because people look at our digital footprint and say, yeah, you know what? We like what that guy is about. We like that they have a heart for people, which is one of our values. We like that they're putting themselves out there. I like something I heard on a podcast a few months ago. Like, if you're not putting yourself out there, and you don't have to have great content, but if you're not putting yourself out there, you're just going to get left behind by people that are younger and willing to try something and are willing to put themselves out there. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you found... I. If the fact that you found customers on LinkedIn, I think, is a surprise for a lot of people. They would say, you can't find mining customers aren't on LinkedIn. And, you know, people at power plants aren't on LinkedIn. It's they weren't on Facebook either. That's what everyone said to you. All oh, these they're not on Facebook. And then you go to a power plant. Everyone in the break room is on Facebook. And it's like, I, I think they might be on there. <laughs> yeah. No, I can tell you right now, uh, we've quoted over a half a billion dollars worth of work that came, those leads came from LinkedIn. You know, we've landed several massive contracts where it started with the conversation on LinkedIn. Um, and, I, and I just can't tell you, like, our, our, literally our company would not exist without some of those strategies. And there are people that have made a living just teaching LinkedIn strategies now. You know, yeah. Patrick Burns and some of these folks that you see all over LinkedIn, like, they, they make a living teaching other people how to do it. So it works. I can tell you it works. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, I, 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 and I... Just want to continue to now at home. I think you also benefit from this, and I'm interested to hear perspective. I always talk about when someone needs your services, who do they think of and why? People always think of the direct response, and I always talk, there is direct response benefits, but I talk a lot about the compounding passive benefits of people knowing who you are, knowing what you're about, and then bringing an opportunity to you before it's out on the street or before they even know what the actual opportunity looks like. Have you experienced some of that as well? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the thoughts that I had early on was I want to get I want to take all the oxygen out of the room. I want all the attention uh, and, and not really in an egotistical way. I mean, yeah, sure. I've got an ego, but what I want is for when a customer thinks about a, a mining issue they have, right? I've got overburden that I need to get rid of, or, you know, I've got old equipment and an aging workforce. I would just rather hire someone to do this. I want them to think about our name uh, because of something they saw, something they read, something they heard. Um, if they have to go searching, I want to pop up first. You know, I want to take all the attention we can get. And I think every, regardless of what industry you're in or what business you're in, you've got to be very aware of where is the attention. 
And uh, for us on, on the people on the recruiting side, the attention's on Instagram, right? 24 to 36 year old guys and gals are on Instagram. They're not reading newspapers, right? And so for our customers, where are they spending their time? These purchasing managers of these big companies, well, they're cruising LinkedIn, right? So I want to be in front of them on LinkedIn. You gotta go where the attention's at and we want all the attention. And I think it's, it's a great strategy that people often overlook. You know, they wanna, they wanna put a piece of marketing material directly in front of somebody. Well, that's great, but a lot of times it ends up in the trash. If they run across you on LinkedIn, they're more likely to think about, oh, I like that content, I'm gonna call those folks. So you mean those those brochures aren't aren't getting the mileage they used to? <laughs> not not anywhere near the mileage they used to. Now I think if you can if you can add on several different touch points, right? If they if they see your content on Facebook, they hear a, a sound clip of you on LinkedIn, they see your other people in, in your company posting on LinkedIn, and oh by the way, they get a hat or a brochure in the mail. Like it's going to be hard for them not to remember you. Yeah. But if they're just getting a hat in the mail and they've never seen anything, they've never met one of your employees or seen their face, like it, it's just harder for them to to pop your name into their head when they need your service. Yeah. And and the other the thing I like about what you just said too is I hear a lot of people talk in binary terms, like, you know, we need to be digital, which means we don't do any in-person collateral when it's it, everything's nuanced, right? Everything has its place. I always tell customers, it's not that you shouldn't do that. It's not that this doesn't work, but if you only have this much money to spend, then you should consider spending most of it on digital because it's going to get the most bang for your buck. Not that that stuff doesn't still have effectiveness. It's just not nearly as effective as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think McDonald's has deployed this strategy as well as any company in the world. McDonald's has a ton of locations. Um, it, they have a ton of locations because Anywhere you drive, you have no choice but to look at a McDonald's. If you had to go out of your way to go get McDonald's, you probably wouldn't do it. You know, McDonald's, whatever, you, but you probably, it, since it's right there in front of you, it's convenient, you're seeing it, you're seeing the billboard, you're going there sometimes. I want to be the same way. I, I, anywhere you turn, I either want a sales guy talking to you, I want LinkedIn messages in front of you, I want a marketing material. Don't just pick one, do all of it. That way, everywhere they turn, they, there's a sales opportunity. I love that. It's the symphony. Orchestrate yeah. the symphony, right? Absolutely. Um, so I, I, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, I want to I get into your best routine or habit. But before we get into that, um, so if I'm a young professional that's considering mining, where should I follow Turner Mining Group? We'll put all the links. Um, and then if I'm a customer thinking about reaching out to Turner, how do I do that? Just so people understand how to reach you. Yeah, absolutely. So we're like I said, we're on LinkedIn, um, Turner Mining Group. There's a company page, and then all of our employees. I I really push to engage with folks, so you'll see all our employees on uh, on on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Turner Mining Group. We've also got some employees that are recruiters. Uh, Turner Mining Liz at Turner Mining Alley. Um, we do uh, some podcast content on there as well under Turner Mining Live, and then we're on Facebook. Um, I don't know if we're still on TikTok. We were on TikTok, uh, but we, we do a little bit of everything. Uh, we've got a podcast. Um, and then, you know, if, if you're interested in hiring us or at least talking to us, we give budget numbers, we give hard estimates. Um, there are several different ways to reach out. The, the easiest is probably through our website, turnermining.com. There is a button that says get a quote or talk to uh, one of our team members. 
that's probably the best way. Info at turnermining.com is also another good way. If you if if you can do me a favor and send me those links, I'll put all those links in the show notes so everyone has access to uh, Turner Mining Group Liz and all the other different recruiters. That way we propagate that and hopefully get some more people interested in mining. Um, awesome. So as we wrap this up, you know, you're, you've you're obviously been very successful. It sounds like you juggle a lot, um, you know, sending 300 messages while you're drinking a glass of wine. That's that's my kind of guy right there. Uh, so how do you how do you manage all that? What's your best routine or habit that you think sets you up for success? Yeah, so I, I was actually just coincidentally thinking about this this morning, and I saw a quote. I'm going to butcher it. I'll put my own spin on it, but it was something like, look at your routine and you get a glimpse into your future. And so I, I really thought long and hard about that. And, and you look at me five years ago and what we're doing now and some of the contracts we've been fortunate enough to win, some of the people we've been fortunate enough to land on our team. We just landed another awesome senior vice president um, this week. Um, it is all through little bitty things you do for a lot of days in a row. Right. Five years is a very small amount of time when you're building a business, but you can do something every single day, even Saturdays and Sundays, believe it or not. And if if I had done a little bit less or even a little bit more, it would have changed where we're at today. So I think it's it's important for people to realize whatever your routine is, whether it's sending out 20 sales calls or whether it's sending out you know, five messages to people that you wanna come work for you, whatever the thing is, that's gonna give you a glimpse into how well it's working you know, a year or two, five down the road. And so um, that, that's really my challenge. I, I, my focus now after five years is collecting as many good solid human beings as I can, uh, as many leaders as I can. I think people are the most underappreciated asset so there's a lot of folks that collect a lot of nice things, right? Nice pickup trucks, new equipment. Um, I want the top quality people and they're expensive, but I know how much those people can help us get where we want to go. And so that's, that's my focus for the next chapter. I like that. And I like the, uh, I like the trajectory. James Clear talks about that in his Atomic Habits. You know, you can be doing really well and have a poor trajectory where your habits are starting to slip, or you can be living in squalor, but have these million dollar habits and you just need to execute on them over that duration and you'll be where you need to be. So well said, uh, appreciate that. Best of luck getting the best and brightest. Hopefully this can help. Um, just a big thanks again for uh, for coming on the podcast. Wish you all the success in the world with growing, uh, growing the group. And uh, I'm going to, I'll talk to you in five years and see if you're just focused on mining. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you.